There are few stories of conversion, either in the Bible or throughout all of history, that are as dramatic as that one, the conversion of the Apostle Paul. Previously known as Saul, a zealous Pharisee who was so passionate about his faith and protecting the orthodoxy of the Jewish religion that he went so far as to hunt down Christians and have them killed. But one day, as he was going about this murderous business, traveling along the road to Damascus, the risen Christ appeared to him, and his life was changed forever. And with the conversion of Paul, the world was changed forever. For this man, who had been the primary persecutor of the church, became the primary evangelist of the gospel, the one who turned what was at the time a small Jewish sect into a worldwide religion. The man who wrote half of the books of the New Testament and whose writings influenced Christian doctrine more than any other person ever. We heard last week about Ananias, a Christ follower whom the Lord called to go to Saul and pray over him so that he might regain his sight. How difficult that must have been for Ananias to follow that call from God since all he knew of Saul at the time was that he was having Christians murdered. Sometimes following God's call leads, leads us to go places that we would deem too dangerous to go and into situations that our inclinations tell us we should run from. Thank God Ananias silenced those inclinations and listened instead to the Lord, for he was the first to welcome Paul into the community of believers. Today we're looking at Paul himself, and not so much Paul's conversion, although that does come into play, how could it not? But on how Paul responded and what he did following that conversion. That is perhaps the most amazing part of the story to me as we continue this series of amazing acts. Not just the amazing fact that God would choose to save a terrifying persecutor of the church like Saul, but that Saul would then immediately become the prime spokesperson for his newfound faith. This is where Paul's story and my story diverge dramatically. And as I talk about Paul this morning, I also want to share a little of my story. I suspect that there are some here who will relate more to my experience than to Paul's, and I want to encourage you in that. But I also think that we can all learn something from Paul's boldness in sharing his faith and his experience of Christ with others. Boldness. That's a word that I never use to describe myself. I am anything but bold, reticent, reserved, cautious. Those words fit me much better. Paul was bold. He comes across sometimes as arrogant. I'm sure he wouldn't have claimed to be arrogant himself. He would have described himself as confident. But it wasn't self-confidence. His confidence wasn't in himself. It was in God. Still, there had to have been something in his personality that allowed him to be so confident. After all, it wasn't just anyone who was so confident in their beliefs that they were out there chasing down Christians and having them killed. There was something about that confidence that allowed him to be the great evangelist that he was once God set him on the right track with his beliefs. And make no mistake about it, it was God and God alone who set him on the right track with his beliefs. 
Paul did not become convinced by someone else's preaching. He didn't listen to what the apostles were teaching and decide, you know, there's something to that. He didn't consult the apostles at all about what to believe or what to teach or how to teach it. All of that came to him directly from Christ. Here's what he says about that in his letter to the Galatians. I want you to know that the gospel that was proclaimed to me is not of human origin, for I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. In this section of Galatians, Paul emphasizes the point that once he was converted, he did not go to the apostles to learn from them. He did not seek their approval or receive their commission. He just went out preaching the gospel on his own, on no other authority but God's. A gospel that he received directly from Jesus Christ. According to this letter, Paul had already been going around preaching the gospel for three years before he even met Peter and James, the brother of Jesus. And he never did meet any of the other apostles until another 14 years after that. That's a long time to be out there preaching the gospel and founding churches without any authority being given to him from anyone except Jesus Christ. My experience was pretty much the opposite of that. I had a conversion experience somewhat similar to Paul's. I wasn't blinded by a light. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I do believe that the risen Christ presented himself to me. And if he hadn't done that, just like Paul would have continued in his persecution of Christians, I would have continued in my rejection of the gospel. But once Christ did present himself to me and turn my life around, that's pretty much where the similarities between myself and Paul end. I didn't know how to talk about this experience that I'd had. And I was sort of afraid to talk about it with anyone. People would think I was crazy. I only told one person. That was uh, the woman that I was dating at the time who became my first wife. I told her I was saved today. And I felt a little crazy saying it. The church that I was raised in didn't use that kind of language but I didn't know what other language to put to it, and I knew it to be true. Other than her, I didn't talk about my faith with anyone else until several months later, when I started sensing that God was calling me into ministry. So I went and I spoke with my pastor about it. He was the second person I told. Six months, two people, an evangelist I am not. After I spoke with my pastor and he helped confirm some, some of the things that I've been sensing from God, it, it did become easier to start talking about what God was doing in my life with others. But I still didn't feel equipped for leading in a Christian sense or for teaching anybody anything. Even though I had been raised in the church, I had hardly attended at all during high school. There was a whole lot of teaching I had missed out on. I was afraid that when I got to seminary, I would be embarrassed at how little I knew about the Bible and about faith. I ended up getting a, an undergrad degree in religious studies, figuring that would catch me up on what I had missed out on and prepare me for seminary, which it did. Once I got to seminary, I found out that the incoming students really didn't know as much as I thought they would. But that didn't mean that I felt more qualified myself. I didn't. 
A lot of seminary students served as student pastors. They got to preach every week and perform all of the pastoral duties even while learning how to do it. I knew I wasn't ready for that. I found a job working in a church that was not a pastoral role. That way I could work in a church environment without having the weight of pastoral responsibilities heaped upon me. Finally, in the summer of 2001, just before completing seminary, I received my first pastoral appointment, seven years after my conversion experience and call into ministry. I graduated in 2002, was commissioned a provisional elder in 2003, and was ordained a full elder in 2006. Twelve years. Twelve years after accepting Christ and receiving the call from God, and all along those twelve years, in addition to the schooling, there, were, there was a whole process of interviews and candidacy guidebooks and mentors and provisional groups, all preparing me for leadership in the church. That was my journey after receiving the truth of Jesus Christ, responding to the call to ministry, seven years before I started preaching on a regular basis, 12 years before I was ordained. Here's what the book of Acts says about Paul after the scales fell from his eyes and he was baptized into Christ. For several days he was with the believers in Damascus and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is the Son of God. Several days. Less than a week Less than one week from the time that Paul met Jesus, he started preaching at every opportunity. And he didn't wait to be invited. He he didn't sit back and say, well, when they're ready to hear from me, they'll let me know. He stood up in the synagogues and said, I have something to tell you. He didn't say to himself, I've only been a believer a few days. What do I really know? How can I compare to these leaders who have been Christians for years? Maybe I'd better go up to Jerusalem and spend some time with the people who knew Jesus while he walked this earth. Find out what he taught them. See if they think I ought to be preaching and what they think I should say. No. Paul makes it clear in his letter to the Galatians that he did the opposite of that. He started preaching and teaching near and far without meeting a single one of Jesus' first disciples, without consulting with any of them, without wasting any time, without any delay. He just went out and started proclaiming Jesus. He is the Son of God. Now, I want to be careful here. I don't want to give the wrong impression We cannot go out and start spreading whatever doctrine we want without concern for what the apostles taught, without concern for what the Bible says, without concern for what has been the teachings of the church for the past 2,000 years, simply because Paul began his ministry with no training or commission from the church. Paul had a special revelation and a special calling. God chose to deliver the word of salvation to the Gentiles through Paul, Christ revealed to him and through him the message that he wanted him to convey. The New Testament did not exist yet. Now it does. Church doctrine had not yet been codified. Now it has. Part of what is so amazing about Paul is that Jesus revealed the truth to him before those things existed. Now that they do exist, and they were brought into existence by the Holy Spirit, those are the sources by which we learn and measure, and discern, and judge. We need to search the scriptures and consult the authorities on what we are to teach in the churches. 
We can't, you can't teach whatever seems right to you without regard to those standards and say, Jesus revealed this to me. So the Bible, what the Bible says or what the church teaches doesn't matter. It matters greatly, and we have a responsibility to be as faithful as we can to the Bible and to the teachings of the apostles. I'm thankful for that 12-year process that I went through between my conversion and ordination, not only because it was necessary for my training, but it also allowed me to be a whole lot more solid in my faith and my understanding of the gospel than I was the first week that I believed. But there is a way in which I think I could have been more like Paul. Not that I could consider myself an elder or an apostle right off the bat like he did, but I did have something to share. I had experienced the living Christ. I knew the gospel to be true. I knew that Jesus had revealed himself to me. I knew that he had saved me. That was worth sharing. Why did I waste so much time before sharing it? How many people might have benefited from that testimony if I had not been so hesitant to talk about what Christ had done for me, what Christ had revealed to me? I might not have known the whole Bible as much as I thought I should. I might not have known all the ins and outs of Christian doctrine or been well informed on substitutionary atonement or dispensationalism or Calvinism versus Arminianism or the Wesleyan means of grace, but that's not what the world is dying to hear about anyway. What the world is dying to hear about is Jesus. What people are suffering from not knowing about is Jesus. I knew Jesus. I had met him personally. Why didn't I talk about that? I share my own story along with sharing Paul's because I think most people in the church can probably relate a little bit more to mine than to his. Not many people are as bold about their faith as he was. Many more people have experienced that sense of reticence, hesitation that I know so well. There are so many better educated people than me, so many people more eloquent than me, so many people more qualified than me. Do I really know what I'm talking about? Do I have any right to tell someone else about Jesus? Yes. Yes, you do. If Jesus has made a difference in your life, then yes, you can talk about that. You should talk about that. If Jesus is real to you, if you know that he is alive, if you know that he is your Savior, then you need to tell somebody about that. Because there are other people that need to hear it. And they might just hear it best from you they might hear it only from you. You don't have to wait for a degree. You, you don't have to ask for my permission or the blessing of the church. What Christ has revealed to you is for you to share. That doesn't mean you have to become a pastor or a preacher, but maybe you do, if that's God's call upon your life. There's a, a terrible shortage of people going into ordained ministry these days. 
And I think one of the reasons for that is that we have this complex about not being good enough. I struggled with that. I shared with my pastor when I had that first conversation with him six months after my conversion. I told him that it was hard for me to accept a call to ministry because I didn't think I was good enough. And you know what he said to me? He looked me right in the eye and he said, well, you're not. And then he said, neither am I. None of us are. But God calls us and uses us anyway. That's the amazing thing about this God that we serve. He uses us despite all of our shortcomings. I think another reason there aren't many people going into ordained ministry is that there's no one telling them that they can. That that you might have that calling from God. I'm... I'm convinced that there's somebody in this church right now that God is calling into ordained or licensed ministry. If that's the case, I hope you will listen to that call. I hope that you will pray on it and respond to God's leading. I hope you'll come talk to me about it. I'll tell you you're not good enough, but I'll tell you I'm not either, and that God calls us and uses us anyway. The vast majority of people here are not being called into that kind of ministry. But every Christian, every Christian is called into some kind of ministry. Every person to whom Christ has revealed himself has a testimony. Every person that Christ has gotten hold of has a story to share. Every person that God has made a part of the faith community has a part to play in living out their faith and sharing it with others. When you share that truth that Christ has spoken into your life, a truth that only you can share because it's what Christ has done for you, that word will cause others to be amazed. To some it will be a word of encouragement. To some it will be a word of correction or warning. To some, it may be reaffirmation of what they have already known. To some, it will be a quickening of the spirit, testifying to their spirit that they, too, are a child of God. Don't sit on that truth. Someone needs to hear it. Don't shy away from your witness. Someone needs to receive it. There's no reason to wait, and there's no time to waste. Amen.